Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it because the Hoop Talk Podcast, like I mentioned with the last episode, is back on the interview game. And we have a very special guest today here on the Hoop Talk Podcast. She has an extensive resume in the basketball community, but... She's currently the social media coordinator at Overtime and the co-host of the Law of Athlete podcast. Please welcome to the Hoop Talk podcast, Takara Carter. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me. So, Takara, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're from. So, I am from Alexandria, Virginia. Um, a little background on myself. I played Division One basketball at Sacred Heart University. Um, currently doing a, a lot of different things as far as color commentating for the NBA G League, uh, color commentating um, for college basketball, and then also um, doing whatever digital content work that I can kind of get in as well. So just um, sort of bouncing all over, but enjoying like the different specs of being um, someone in the media. And I knew I should have said it in the intro, representing the DMV from Alexandria, Virginia. So that's that's something that we found really interesting because we're, we're also from the DMV. We're actually from Maryland. Um, but before we get into the basketball aspect of things, we want to know what got you into journalism. Um, so what got me into journalism... Wait. So what got me into journalism so far is basically knowing that like one day the basketball will have to stop um, and, and knowing that I kind of prepared for it in school and with the things that I studied and um, the classes that I took, I was a junior and I graduated early from Sacred Heart in three years. And during my fourth year, I got my master's degree and I did the one year program. And that's just all about preparation, planning, using your scholarship the right way um, when you go to a school like that. And so um, I just wanted to make sure that in doing so um, with the basketball, having to stop one day that I was going to go into something that I ultimately love to do. And that was journalism. So now kind of transitioning to the basketball aspect. So like you mentioned earlier, you played basketball at Sacred Heart University, and now you're transitioning into a role um, with the social media in, uh, with overtime. You also worked for the WNBA as well. Mm -hmm. um, who were some of your influences, not only as a player, but now in the community? Who were some of your influences that uh, made you want to get into the basketball community? Well, are you talking about like just growing up, like as, as a baller, like how did I start hooping or just yeah. as far as um, after? We, we could it talk about all we, the details. Yeah, all, the, all the details, all, all, right. the, all the details. <laughs> cool. So like growing up, I really looked up to my brother who he played basketball in the area as well in the DMV. He played for uh, Team Takeover with a lot of great names and players who you'll probably know to this day. He played on a squad that featured Josh Hart. Um, a, a prolific Hooper from the DMV named Stanford Robinson, who went on to play at Rhode Island University. Um, he's played with some guys like uh, BJ Anya, who also played at like NC State. So 
um, when you're around that type of vibe growing up and you're already around like the elite and you have a brother who um, he worked super hard, obviously um, his career didn't really pan out in the way that he wanted to, but he was always such a hard worker um, and he did everything that he could and, and put his love and all into the game of basketball. And, and sometimes, right, that's just how the game unfolds, but it all goes back to starting with him and how I just wanted to be like him growing up. Um, so I did a number of things as a child, as far as my parents put me in like gymnastics, swimming. Um, they're like, Hey, um, we gonna make you a cheerleader. And I sort of got to choose and it was always following him around and basketball that I came back to. And so that sort of, um, set the foundation for what I'm doing today. And then as far as getting into, journalism again I think it kind of spearheaded in college I went to a school that's actually uh, has a, a program that is catered towards helping people make it one of the biggest things and eye openers for me was I was like wow Sacred Heart is really on the map and all over the place some people may not know it but one of my coworkers. Uh, when I was working at the WNBA, she actually went to Sacred Heart University as well. And she played for the lacrosse team. And it was like, you know, we're, we're putting a stamp on some of the hottest industries in the world. I had a professor in school where he was at CNN and he was a part of producing the Berlin Wall falling. Like these are teachers that you're learning from in your program. And it, it just made me want to go far. So I would say some of my influences um started while I was in school and then after there's people who I look up to such as a Monica McNutt who she's from the DMV and you see her everywhere on your TV screen like you can't turn it on without seeing Monica these days but you love to see something like that um other women in sports who I really just sort of watch and try to learn from is like Elisa Byington who she's always on the top of her game um this particular person doesn't know it, but I've been watching her on TV a lot more lately. And that's Andrea Carter. Um, and she does her thing on ESPN and sideline reporting and stuff like that. So I think when you watch the best, you try to um, mold yourself to be that one day. And I think I'm working towards those things. So I want to piggyback off of something you were talking about in terms of like an ode to your school. And you actually do a lot of like commentating for the Northeastern Conference as a yeah. lot of what you do on a regular basis. Talk about what that means for you to be able to like not only kind of give back to your community in that way, but also still kind of build on what you've been doing so far within the area that you're so comfortable with coming from that program. Well, honestly, it all kind of started last season, I believe, because I wasn't doing as many games. And when you go in there uh, and prove that like, oh, like I'm pretty good at this, they continue to call you back. Um, when I had first graduated from school, I can be super transparent. I had reached out about doing those things with the university and they basically told me I didn't have experience. Like, you know, and, and that's a little tough for your your old school to basically like turn you down and be like, nah, but you just never know who's watching you, paying attention to you or thinking, oh, we might give them a shot somewhere down the line. I started calling games at Howard University and um Basically, I think it sort of started where someone just couldn't do a game one day at Sacred Heart. And with them not being able to do that game, they called me. And so 
Um, I hopped in the car with my friend who just happened to be going up to Sacred Heart that weekend. And I hopped on the broadcast and it turned out great. And that's where it sort of started. And then with just doing games at Sacred Heart, the NEC conference as a whole reached out to me and was like, hey, we want to get you on our NEC schedule for some of our ESPN Plus games coming up. And so I'll actually be doing my first game with just the NEC conference as a whole, not just Sacred Heart. Uh, this weekend is going to be FDU versus Bryant. Um, and then I have another one next weekend where I'll actually be traveling to St. Francis, um, PA, which is in Loretta, uh, each Jesus nowhere. But yeah, so <laughs> I'll be doing St. Francis versus my old school Sacred Heart. And then I'll also be calling an NEC semifinals game, which is huge because I've, I've played in the semifinals a few times. But uh, I think it just shows like the progression in my career. And again, it just all stemmed from you get one call and then the next call comes and you know how people are. They like to not say hop on the bandwagon because I, I don't um, necessarily think that is true. But I'll say um, if you do good in one stage, more people will come along and, you know, try to hire you. And that's what it's all about. So let's build off that for a second real quick, because when you talk about getting into this space, uh, we talked about this with our friend April the other day, too. Um, it's a cutthroat business. You kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. You're like, okay, my own school going to try to try to up count, up count me like that. It's kind of kind of sideways, but it's cool. We're going to get there. We're going to get in our situation. And so I want to build off that and ask you this. Like, what is your advice to people trying to break into this space from either just a journalism space in general, or if you want to take a woman's perspective, of course, we would like to allow that too. Because both perspectives, I feel like, come from a place that still is like an uphill battle, but I still think regardless, the perspectives give you different outlooks of just how different this journalism space can be from a journey to journey stage. Well, I think that it starts with networking and that was something that I didn't know much about while I was in school, or it was also something that I didn't care about because I didn't think that I needed to do it. Like, you know, you're playing basketball, you're focusing on schoolwork and education. And a big piece of it was like, oh man, I was in the perfect center when I was at Sacred Heart. I was, you know, not too far from ESPN. Why didn't I get connections to there and stuff like that? Like, you know, you don't think about those things while you were in school, or at least I didn't. And I think students in general do a better job of trying to utilize their resources now and are kind of honing in and thinking about, okay, what's going to be next for me? So I think networking is one major thing. And then I think uh, second in line would sort of be um, just keep going. I, I think that's the, you know, the, the easiest way to say it. Like when you feel like giving up and like, oh, this is not the path for me or it's hard. Like I almost feel like anything that you try to do where it's a, a major industry is going to have some types of struggles along the way. But if you're super passionate about it, like go for it. You'll meet the right people who I think can help you get to that space and place. I think don't be afraid to reach out to people. Um, but also know how to reach out to people. Are you reaching out to someone from a place of give me this or begging, or are you trying to build genuine relationships and that way they want to actually help you out? Um, and I think genuine relationship is really so important because a lot of people are uh, just gimme, 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 and not, I'm trying to really work for this. And so I think um, if I had to choose like the three tiers, it would be network, but network with a purpose. Don't network just to say, I know X, Y, Z, that's not really it. Um, and then I would say, keep going. And the last thing, build those genuine relationships with people and they'll see that you're genuine and, you know, want to help you out. 
So let's build off that in terms of overtime. I feel mm-hmm. like overtime is one of those things. If you're if you have not engaged with the hoop uh, with the the hoop talk podcast, one of the things that's really interesting about us is the mixtape era is one of those things that got us into basketball to start with. Overtime to me, I, this is me being a little biased, but I'm just gonna tell my my truth. Overtime got the mixtape game on lock to me personally. Yeah, what and, and it's got true. you started with that? Yeah, what got you started with them, and what has been what has been your experience with them so far? Um, so I would say the thing that got me started with them, um, more so. Sorry, I'm actually preparing a post for work right now, so forgive me if I'm looking down <laughs> at my good. phone. But the thing that got me um started with overtime was. Again, I had a friend, um, Monica, who basically reached out to me. She was like, yeah, they're looking for like more black women or whatever, some part time positions, um, you know, here's who to reach out to. And at the time it was overtime. Chloe, who is no longer um, with overtime, but she's coaching college basketball, which is um, something great. So overtime, Chloe basically. um connecting me with somebody else. And in turn, I just started working with our app. So I was strictly like making content for the overtime app, which if you don't have it, go ahead and download it. It's pretty cool. They have some nice activations on it. Um, And so in doing so that went to um, one of their talent recruiters, acquisitions, whatever you want to call it. She reached out to me one day and she was like, we have a sports betting show uh, coming up with this company named overtime. You look like you'll be a great candidate for it. Like, um, and she didn't even know that I actually was already doing work for the overtime app. And then I was also featured on some of their segments, which is called hot clock at that time. And that was just build up. So anyway, I did the show. Um, and that sort of led to them keeping in contact with me and then turn maybe like a year later, the same woman, Sasha, reached out to me and was like, we actually have some social media positions open and I would like for you to apply to this. And so it was more so, again, you build that relationship from one thing and it just kind of sparks and leads up to more opportunities. Um, You know, I wasn't even necessarily looking to work with the company full time. Like, you know, they reached out to me off of a already established relationship that we had. Yeah, so I think that that's really interesting that you you continue to talk about relationships in this space and just building connections. But um, I, I'm interested to kind of know a little bit more about overtime in general because, like, you've been overtime for a couple of of months now, and you left the WNBA and transitioned over to overtime. What are some of the takeaways that you've had from your your time at overtime so far? Well, overtime's motto is they try to be first with everything so um if there's something going on like trying to be first on it um and then also trying to have like the most exciting content that pops so one of like the um i do a lot of tiktoks now for the overtime women's basketball tiktok page and one of their biggest takeaways for tiktoks are what is that one line that is going to draw people in to make them want to watch it more and so i think um as far as having the game on lock like those are their you know, big points of emphasis and focus and stuff like that, which makes them so great. And then also, like you said, having those high school players that they care about so much and that others care about. And I also think Overtime does an amazing job of finding the high school players that people might not know about yet and then elevating them, building them up at, at some point, like they'll have a show together or whatever, or um, really 
focusing on that high school basketball scene and then you can follow their journey through overtime to oh they get to college and we really cared about him while he was in high school and then after that um this player might potentially make the league and you can probably go back and say oh overtime was the first company to cover these individuals and so i think that's where uh, the company really thrives and, and works hard to try to do is discover high school athletes and also not even necessarily discover, but like be the, the first to put something out there. Like if it's a nasty crossover or something like that, like it's all hands on deck. Everybody's on it. Um, having a speedy team that is on the clock, like hours and hours after the, the Super Bowl, I was so amazed at how fast the content was going out. And that was just a group of, I didn't work on this particularly cause I don't do with like the football stuff but there was a group of people who work for the football stuff and they're thinking of captions like you know as stuff is happening writing it out sending in a group text like oh you ripped this video i got the caption we'll do this and it's like a a team effort and that's what makes the whole thing go so i kind of want to ask more about the the high school basketball scene because for me how i discovered overtime was watching uh mixtapes like jalen said earlier uh mixtapes of mac mcclung jordan mccabe zion williamson that's kind of how i found overtime or found out about overtime so how important has overtime been to the basketball community because uh, to the basketball community overall because you know you discover these these high school players that don't really get a lot of attention like you said earlier you follow them along through their journey even to the nba as well so how important has overtime been to basketball in general oh i think they've been huge as far as like trying to grow the game. Um, I, I think the the biggest thing has been they've been able to get the right people on board who also care about basketball and in turn that grows it. Us being from the the DMV, something that we could look forward to was what, like Hoops Mixtape or something like that. Oh. But we didn't probably necessarily for Hoops Mixtape like get the, the proper investors or something like that to make it go up even harder or whatever. And then that's just on like the DMV scale. As far as um, overtime, I think it's about I can't obviously give away all the secrets and everybody would do it. Right. But uh, really having a team that's like brainstorming and out there and always looking for like, what's the next best thing. And I think that's good for the game of basketball because you're spotlighting people who aren't necessarily already known, but also trying to build that kid up that people might not yet know about. And I mean, you know, all of us, pay attention to overtime. Some of the, the posts can be like a little overhyped. The captions could, <laughs> could go a little crazy. Like, all right, I mean, it wasn't that spectacular, but that's what makes the company different because they're always looking to um, elevate, put a caption that's like a little uh, quirky, so to speak, or whatever. And you're like, all right, dude, like that, that was a bit much, but they thrive off of like that weirdness and trying to be different. So being a part of this overtime stuff, but everything that you've done, you've had a pretty eventful year. Anybody who is not on her Instagram needs to get into that mm-hmm. because she's had a pretty pretty eventful year. Can you talk about just some of the things that you've had the opportunity to either do, people you've had the chance to be around, events you've had a chance to be around? WNBA Finals was a movie. You can talk about that a little bit if you want mm-hmm. to. All that stuff was so crazy. Um, but yeah. So as far as the WNBA finals goes, that was so much fun. I was with some legendary people as far as like, um, sorry, I am the worst multitasker. I was like, let me throw this post up real fast. And then I got y'all with the story. Um, So anywho, that's done. So 
I was with people like Cynthia Cooper, Lisa Leslie. And it was funny because like um, I was doing social media. So Lisa Leslie, she she didn't know me by name, but she kind of knew me as that's the girl that's going to take the good picture. Go grab her real quick so she can get a picture of us in the group together. I know she's going to record the video. So um, I was like airdropping the legends, like their photos and stuff like that. And, and, you know, just sort of talking to them and vibing with them. And you also see like, wow, these are the women who paved the way for the game of basketball. But they're also just so down to earth. And it was it was kind of cool and funny to see like how they interact with one another. So, um yeah, like being around like a, a Cappy Pondexter, like she was so nasty. And to see her at the, um, we had an activation called W25 where we honored legends um, who are considered like the the best 25 players um, in the league. And we did it for season number 25. So that was also like, wow. Um, and then I'm trying to think who else having interactions with players, like going to practice and stuff and, and just talking to Candace Parker and she's so down to earth. And then she turns around and does this legendary thing and wins the championship in her first season with the franchise. Um, seeing growth of players as well, like a um, Kalia Copper, like who, who would have thought like she was about to come out and bunt, you know, like blazing like that. So um, the WNBA season was a lot of fun and also thinking of different ideas as far as social media goes and stuff like that. I did a lot of different TikTok videos, um, making tick, um, videos for like the actual Instagram page where I was the talent, like that was super fun. And um, I also loved how they knew that those are things that I enjoy doing and they really honed in on the fact that they were like, you know, we have to use this creativity in some way. So um, have at it. So I want to ask you a question about the WBA. Get your thoughts, especially with the 25th um, anniversary season passing. $75 million granted from Nike. Obviously, there was a lot, of, a lot of other investors in the mix as well. What are your thoughts on the overall growth of the game? I felt like this was a really big year for the league in general in terms of notoriety. Um, and I think the game is getting better by the day. The college talent that's about, about to come in from what it looks like is about to be vicious as well. Mm -hmm. So just thoughts on the growth of the WNBA, some of the players that um, are already actively participating. I know we got a couple of legends knocking on the door with maybe their last season as well. So just thoughts on some yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, so I think you think about where it started in, in comparison, like because people like to play the comparison game. I think the WNBA is in a much better place right now. Maybe not with funding, maybe not money and stuff like that yet, but think about the NBA is celebrating their 75th season, and we're only in season 25, and it's been like blooming, and that's due to people really honing in and saying, the WNBA needs more money. We need investors. We need, um, you know, hopefully the next step is um, not having to fly commercial and stuff like that and having private flights. But each year there's some type of level of like growth change. We want this. We're going to do that to get it. Um, people making these deals for more and more money. So I'm like, okay, hope next we'll see players making millions. And I think it's just all a ode to how hard that these women work and also how hard the the lead the league is working for change. You might not necessarily uh, see it at eye level, but when you look at it in like a full circle thing or, or moment, you're like, man, they, they are really making strides. And so I think that's super important um, to note. 
And then as far as the talent that's coming in, I think that continues to just grow the game more because women are becoming more athletic. The game is changing sort of like the NBA is evolving where you're seeing um, more women play faster. They're also, um, you know, doing some cool things like dunking, which people feel from a entertainment standpoint is important, right? I don't think it's necessarily important for the game, but I think skill wise, it's like, wow, this is just a, evolution and we know that women like lisa leslie and stuff like that don't but it's more power behind them because um you know that's that's just what the growth looks like and so i think that's been um kind of cool to see and then as far as um what's to come i think it will just continue to grow i think more people will invest because they're seeing that growth and I think the next step that I would like to see for the league is expansion so we can see more players get that opportunity to play there's only 12 teams and that that makes it so hard that you don't know how much talent that you're missing out on each year because it's just not enough room and space for everyone so I think that that'll be hopefully I don't have like any inside info on that but I hope that's the next step for um WNBA basketball. So let me ask you this because Jalen alluded to earlier that there's a lot of talent within the women's college basketball scene. If you go program by program, especially in like the power five, there's multiple players that you could, you could consider a uh, first round worthy talent for the WNBA draft. So who are some of the players that have really stood out to you this year so far in the women's college basketball season? Well, at the top of my list is hands down Aaliyah Boston at, South Carolina. She is a killer. Um, I know Don Staley has her back 10 toes as far as like, she doesn't get the recognition that she deserves with the numbers that she's putting up. And it's crazy. Like, sure, she gets some spotlight or whatever, but Don Staley, she put out a tweet the other day and she was like, man, y'all don't talk about Aaliyah Boston enough on national broadcast when you they typically bring up other players uh, when she's not even playing the game. And I couldn't think that was a more true statement by coach. And I don't think she's just saying that because that's her player. I think that's who Don Staley is as a coach. Like I'm a ride for her, but if it was somebody else who wasn't getting the spotlight as well that they deserve, I know that she would speak out. And she also has that power to speak out. So Aaliyah Boston has been an amazing talent and I've also loved seeing her growth. Um, Another player who I really like watching this season is Angel Reese, University of Maryland. She's a dog. Like, <laughs> uh, I love her attitude. I love her spunk. I love how she tries to put the team on her back. And you can even see her growth from the time that she had gotten injured in year one to this year. She came back. She seems like she's a little more patient in her game and she's letting it come to her. Uh, she still has that feistiness and attitude that I love. But at the same time, I feel like it's dumbed down to a level where she doesn't get out of character and she's letting her game speak for itself as well. Um, and then if I had to pick another player, uh, I'll just sort of throw this out there as far as on a national scale, you can't disregard the types of numbers that Caitlin Clark has been putting up. Uh, you know, she's had some crazy outings as far as triple doubles, pulling up from the logo, so impressed by her three-point shooting. And I think some of those games are just bump skill. That's pure confidence and knowing like, I am the one on this team and I'm going to keep Iowa, you know, in, in the ranking standing. So I, you know, I have to have a takeover mentality and I think Caitlin Clark has been awesome as far as that goes. Yeah. I mean, if you look at those three ladies individually, like, I mean, like you mentioned with Aaliyah, double, double machine, first of all, like you said, yeah. in terms of being able to keep track of her, the real question is how are you going to keep 
keep the log on her stats because on a on a game to game basis, it's honestly ridiculous. Angel, right. she's probably walking clips for y'all. Honestly, I I feel like she's a walking clip for y'all, whether it's off the court or on court with the uh, with any of the highlights. And then yeah, when you talk about. I mean, you talk about Caitlin. I mean, I saw a clip of her the other day shooting from the logo. The basket wasn't even on the screen. It's just yeah. unreal stuff when you talk about what some of these players are doing so far this year. But I think that's that's the kind of stuff that's gearing us closer and closer to having a more exciting game overall in women's mm-hmm. basketball. I want to ask you like a, a pseudo deep question, but we like to try to ask our our, um, our female uh, associates on the pod this all the time because I feel like it's an important thing to address um what do you feel what do you personally feel like um is the the biggest hardship of being a woman in sports I think you have to play in the shadows of the men in sports that's probably you know the the biggest hardship uh and I also think another one is if you are not on a team that gets powerhouse recognition, you can be doing some amazing things around the country or within your squad, whether that be um, mid-major or, shoot, even D2, low division one, whatever you want to call it. Um, you might not get recognized on a, a national scale and you're doing just as great things as the women on that of a UConn team or um, – who else is top ranked right now? Like, a, I don't know. I'm just throwing out there like a, a Maryland, I'm trying to think, or a South Carolina, Duke, North Carolina, whoever you want to say. Um, I, I think there's some basketball that just might be undiscovered as far as some great individual performances that are happening and team performances. But, uh, you know, the team is not big, so to speak. So nobody's really talking about some of those topics. Well, I guess the way I meant it, and I still think that that's um, like an important way to look at it when comparing the men's and women's game. But I actually meant more from like a journalism standpoint, talking about from your journey within all of this, because it's it's a feisty area within, you know, the uh, especially with mainstream media nowadays. And um, it's one of those things that I think is really important in terms of paying attention to female journalism nowadays. You know, we had Girls and Women's Sports Day a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've tried to keep like pretty close tabs with some of the, uh, the the black girl magic stuff for WNBA and stuff like that as well. Like what, like, like, what do you feel like, you know, has been one of the most influential things in terms of you having this journey as a black woman in sports journalism specifically? I think just, just making it through so far and keeping on chugging. Um, because a lot of people could, like I said in the beginning, like give up and say, this isn't for me or it's not working out or whatever. I had times where, you know, when I first started out as a, a full-time freelancers where I was working part-time at a car dealership and also trying to make my way into sports. So I think the most influential thing is like seeing the growth of our women journalism and platforms um, every year, like that of a highlight her or something like that. Like you now have places where it can be your one-stop shop for women's sports. Um, there is a platform called Just Women's Sports where it's like, if this is all I want to see is women across my screen, you got it. And I think that's really important for all the pages that highlight just men. Now we have an NCAA women's tournament page. It's not just about, oh, we want to focus on the women because the men, because there's people who also care about the women's side of things. So I think it's been influential to see how people are like, okay, this is a movement uplifting um, athletes, having power for the women and stuff like that. So let's 
try to create more platforms and spaces for it to just highlight our women in sports who are doing such great things. Yeah, shout out Christina Williams. She's one of those people that I've been relying yeah, on pretty talk. heavily, yep. pretty heavily in terms of the WNBA space. Me and Ryan have tried to culture ourselves within this space over the last couple mm-hmm. of seasons overall, and that's been somebody we've definitely relied on a lot. And, so, and it takes time, right? Like, yeah. it, it definitely is something that takes time, but I think the first step is starting. And, you know, super happy that you guys are doing so because a lot of people will just – kind of turn the other ear and I think that's what the problem is there's not enough buy-in especially from the people who have you know necessary funding and stuff like that which unfortunately is typically male um and so you know it's cool that you guys are like hey at least we're leaning on people we're looking for information we're looking on answers as opposed to just writing it off and saying girls can't hoop or do whatever or women they, they just completely suck in sports you know there's there's some people who are out there like that I promise you that ain't true. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> Brian, go ahead. Yeah, so I kind of just wanted to ask uh, this one question before we kind of transition into uh, the All-Star Week in the general with the NBA because there's a lot of content there to cover as well. But um, I want to I get from your perspective because you work in social media. How influential has social media been to uh, female athletes? Because – you know, we saw last year with a – I'll give it a quick example. Sedona Prince for Oregon kind of uh, put everyone on, on notice with the fact that women didn't get the, the same equipment to work out with as men did. The conditions mm-hmm. were different. So how influential has social media been uh, for, for female athletes? Extremely. You can go on social media these days and look at some of the – athletes that have like the highest following and it's not necessarily those that are in the WNBA but it's those college players out there who are using their platforms voices they're able to get deals now so people are finding them a lot more easily and they're you know checking out their social media whether it be for their drip for the content that they post they really love their game but I think social media has really helped uplift and elevate the women's game because um these college athletes know how to use their platforms in the right way and and for people to fall in love with them. And I think that's a a huge thing. Um, And Sedona Prince, she used her platform to speak up and speak out. And a lot of them are using theirs for that too. And they're not afraid to. And I think that's also one of the biggest things. Maybe some players back in the day, you know, a a big thing was shut up and dribble. No, we're not going to do that anymore. Like if we have a problem or we feel as though we're not getting treated properly, they're, they're speaking up. And I'm happy that the athletes are like that now, because even back when I was hooping, what, 2014 through 2018, that wasn't a thing. I think it more so has evolved um, throughout these past three, four years and social media has played a pivotal part in that. So I'm I'm really happy for the athletes who are doing their thing on social media, who have such big followings. A lot of them have started these followings now in high school and you have to one, shout out the platforms who are um, showing love to these athletes because that helps them. So a platform like an overtime women's basketball, a highlight her, or Girl Talk Sports, those are the ones who kind of see these athletes who have that sort of potential and, you know, they start posting them more. They help build their following up and um, they're really utilizing social media for good. So we want to transition to the NBA just a little bit. Obviously, the All-Star Weekend is coming up. What are just some of the things that you are looking forward to this weekend or what are some of the things that you've been keeping an eye on out on so far this season? 
So I have no parts in All-Star Weekend. So I'll be, you know, at home chilling or whatever, oh, not yeah, going sure. to Cleveland or nothing like that. So I'm more so just fangirling. Um, I, I usually like, you know, the the typical um, contests that they have, like the celebrity game is always cool and fun. Uh, it'll be cool to see De'Erica Hamby for um, the Las Vegas Aces playing in that. And then um, also like three-point contests or whatever. Uh, I, I would say... I'm not necessarily like huge on the all-star game until it gets like competitive at the end or when dudes are like, all right, I'm trying to lock in and actually win this or get MVP or something like that. I will be curious to see like the the new guys like John Morant and, um, you know, LaMelo, he got a spot because one of the players dropped out. I forget who. Um, and then James Harden announced he won't be playing. So I, I don't I don't recall seeing who his filler is yet. Um, maybe that did happen, but I know someone will be filling in for um, Harden. And then, um, yeah, just the, the new kids on the block. I think that's going to be most fun to watch those first-time All-Stars for sure. Yeah, and so one of the other things I want to ask you is about the NBA season in general. Obviously, you know, it's been a pretty hectic year across the board. Uh, I mean, obviously there's been injuries here and there, but some pretty fun basketball overall. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the NBA season so far and some of the things that have taken place, some of the storylines? Obviously, the trade deadline just passed, which was a crazy, like, 24 to 48 hours yeah. as well. So just thoughts on all that stuff. Well, I will say this. I'm a Lakers fan. Enough said. We're going to get on you. Hold up. People it's been a hard you. season. <laughs> I, but I've been a Lakers fan since before you could even imagine, think of, like, my dad made me grow up like a Lakers fan when I was younger or whatever. So I'm all time, you know, love Kobe and um, stuff like that. Grew up watching them, you know, win championships. But this, this is rough. This is different. So that I'll, I'll just say that there. I am a Lakers fan, and it is not pretty, and we didn't trade for anybody. I think they're trying to hold out for – I don't know what we're holding out for. A lot of people say, oh, get it, draft picks. It's like we always do away with our top draft picks or whatever, or we try to be different and build some type of super team. Like, let's get back to traditional Laker basketball. Like, we don't have to have – I think what the Lakers do is have the hottest headlines in the beginning of the season, and something might look pretty on paper or whatever and then it's a mess so anyway there's that um I think something that went down was crazy of course was that that Brooklyn trade and Philly and Ben uh we'll we'll see him up and coming or whatever like I'm like okay interesting so to speak uh but I think people could kind of see that coming and like this is destruction uh (laughs) I mean but you know that's that's all a part of it um you know, since y'all in the DMV or whatever, Porzingis, Wizards, might, might be some good. I don't know. You know, he's kind of injury-ridden, but maybe that, that'll change in the district, bring some good luck. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so it's it's been an interesting season so far. I think what I have loved the most in a team that I really like watching is the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies and their young guys really getting after it. I think they have brought a, a new excitement around the game of basketball um, as far as, like, they're young, they're fun, they're getting after it, and that's what I want to see more um, in the league. And 
like John Moran is such a freak athlete, but just all well and rounded from what I can see, good dude, person, player. And um, it's been fun to watch his growth and evolution too. I like Anthony Edwards. He seemed like a cool, funny guy and he could hoop. So uh, that's, that's kind of my all over the place analysis of the NBA season and what it's entailed so far. So let me ask you this to kind of close things out because Jalen and I were uh, pretty adamant on the idea that the Lakers were pretty much a playing team. And they, even with the, they even might with, not even be that. <laughs> Go ahead. <though. laughs> I mean, can I can I keep it a buck? I mean, I know we got do LeBron. What you gotta do. We got LeBron, yes, the goat, whatever. But if if AD can't stay healthy, like like Lord have mercy, like he hasn't even played majority of the season, and then it's it's not that we're losing it's the way that we're losing the types of games i'm like dog like y'all how do you blow the types of leads that we have or something like that um who are they playing saturday night it wasn't no i think it might have been portland yes where um it came down to like free throws or whatever and lebron went to the line i think he got fouled on a three or some crazy mess like that um... yeah and it was like are y'all serious? But it's like, why is it even getting to this point? You know what I mean? Like making life just harder than, than what it has to be. Like where where is the simple basketball, my dude? So go ahead with what you were saying. So but that's why I feel like, you know, playing is even, is, is looking like a stretch. But yeah, but I mean, a frustrated fan. I can tell. I can tell from your frustration. <laughs> and like, I think the big thing that Jalen and I were harping on was that this team, was just not a strong defensive team and that they really were not going to try during the regular season to get a top seed. So as a fan, I'm kind of interested to get your perspective on what your preseason expectations were for this team because we can listen to the Stephen A. Smiths of the world and hear their takes and say that the Lakers are championship favorites and then there's other people who don't have like a lot of faith in them like Jalen and myself. But what are your thoughts so, again, I'll say this. On paper, it looked good. It's like, okay, Melo, he, he's coming to the squad, and he's had a, a decent couple of seasons where he's playing that reserve role, but he's also comfortable in his role and positioning now, and so it's like he not going to be the problem. Westbrook, I'm thinking, okay, so now you're finally on a team where winning is, so to speak, a culture, and you can come into that winning culture and play your type of basketball, but also you don't have to do too much because you have the backs of LeBron and you also have Anthony Davis where you guys can kind of feed and play off of each other. Okay, that's not a thing. And then we have people on the bench where it's like, for what? We get Kendrick Nunn. Has has he played? Like, you know, he's a, he's a great talent, but like, what are, what are we doing? I like THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, but at the same time, he struggles with consistency now. So going into the season, my expectations for the squad is always going to be high, right? Cause I'm just a fan and it's like, okay, we got this. And you're thinking about the, the, what we can do with the pieces that we have. But then when you get into it and you see and like, and then of course Malik Monk, I'm like, you know, he's, he's a, a little young, outstanding talent, but I think right now the, the bad is outweighing the good. And that's more so because we're in a, a slump where losing is a, is a thing. I feel like coach doesn't have answers. 
I thought potentially, you know, we might try to get in on the trades and that didn't happen because I would have shipped off Kendrick. Now you're sitting on the bench. Like, what are we doing? You know, and I, I just feel like it, it's not a lot of good decision making going on. But I, I think that's been a thing for years now. But we just so happened to get a ship, what, two years ago in, in, in the bubble. And, and it just sort of worked out the way it was supposed to, right? But even then, that squad was a little so-so. Eh, but they came together at the right time. So with saying they came together at the right time, that could be a reality going forward. But at the same time, who knows? Question mark. <laughs> Okay, so let's try to end out on a high note. I hate play. I hate playing with Lakers fans because they get so they get they they let us know what exactly what's up sometimes. But we love to hear it because I mean, truthfully, it's one of those things. They're one of the most polarizing teams in the NBA. So I mean, of course, yeah. I on, end paper, out, on paper, they are. We of course, yeah. We've, we've seen that they can be some losers, but I'm done. <laughs> so I want to end out on a high note by asking you this. It's a lot more general. It's a lot more going back to what you do and you within this space. Um. Closing thoughts in terms of um, just advice to females looking to break into the sports journalism industry. Any like little small advice? Again, I know you mentioned some stuff earlier, but anything you, that you want to leave people off with as some food for thought before we transition to closing the podcast out? Yeah, I, I think some food for thought and positivity more so for anyone, not just women trying to get in the spaces, do it. Start the podcast if that's what you feel is on your heart and that's going to get you to where you want to be. Start the website. You never know who eyes will come upon it. Get the LinkedIn page right. People are looking when you don't even think that they are. Post on your social media and post what you feel passionate about and what's good for you. It doesn't necessarily have to be the status quo. And then as far as... um building up your personal brand, work on it. That's something that I want to work on more and, and hone in on. Like a lot of people are viewing social media as your resume. Yeah, you need a, a physical resume, a piece of paper, but there's been people who've come up to me before and they're like, man, I've been following you for a while and just checking out what you're doing. And I've seen growth every year. Your social media profile can be that, your resume. And people are looking at that those types of things and stuff they're seeing how your look has evolved over time they're seeing the type of content that you're posting they're seeing what you're up to and what you're doing they're also seeing how you're talking on there too so also be you know like cognizant of the things that you're posting on your stories and stuff like that like on social media i thrive and try to strive like you know don't put cuss words on here you don't know who's checking out your story on the page that's comes up and it's like AFGD, you know, them little fake pages. That could be a hiring manager for something for all you know. Um, so, you know, that's my greatest advice for uh, people out there. And I always tell people, like, I am not yet where I want to be in my career, like by no shadows or means, but I am so thankful that I'm at a place where uh, I can continue to grow and I see the growth from when I first started when I graduated and I go back and I look at some of the videos and stuff like that and keep those videos where you feel like you sound stupid and you're posting it to your, your website that you're sending off to people and stuff like that and, and set that as a reminder that you can go as far as you think you'll go. Well, Tykera, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Speaking of being somebody that has a career to build up, you got a pretty busy schedule of your own. So we know we got to let you go in terms of the stuff that you got going on for later on today. With that being the case, of course, really appreciate you hopping on the podcast. Ryan, get us up out of here, bro. 
Transitioning to our question of the day for our fans, this involves the Lakers. Do you think the Lakers will be able to turn it around and make the playoffs? We want to once again thank our guest, Tykira Carter, for coming on to the podcast. Very grateful that you were able to come on and share your experiences as a woman in sports, also working for the WNBA and overtime. And we will see you guys next episode. Peace!